0: hi everyone welcome to the podcast and today's an exciting day not just because it's my 32nd birthday but because it's the 100th episode and today my good friend from australia is going to interview me about my story and what the podcast came to be so welcome to the show maddie
1: thanks amanda thanks for bringing me on for this exciting birthday 100th episode celebration episode
0: well thank you so much for doing it i asked you like really early late last year
1: yeah it's been coming for a while i'm I'm really looking forward to the fact that it's here and we can talk about it and the fact that it's your birthday there's so many great things happening right now
0: yeah i feel like my life's amazing so
1: yeah so with this 100th episode, it'd be awesome to one, celebrate it and two, your audience to get to know you because you put together so many amazing podcasts with guests from all over the world um, and they get to hear, like the audience get to hear all about these amazing guests and you you conversing with them. But let's learn about you. Um, So like where did this, you were at episode 100. Obviously, you've done a lot of work up until this point, but where did this whole idea of this show come from?
0: Yeah, it was it's interesting how it came about because i was like i was thinking about being a guest on other podcasts and i just was not i don't know i was just not i didn't know about facebook groups and getting like i just didn't know how to do it and so i'm like Mm -hmm. and i was looking on itunes and i was like oh this is interesting there's no podcast about fibromyalgia and so i was like i was in a business course at the time and i went to palm springs and i said Oh, i'm thinking about starting a podcast and they said okay do it and i did it within a month i launched it yeah when i really commit yeah when i really commit to something i really go full force
2: Mm -hmm. yeah and i was like
0: i i'm like i don't know why there's not a podcast out there
1: yeah covering fibromyalgia stuff
0: no and there was a podcast that launched like a month before mine on fibromyalgia but i was like i could come at it in a different way and stuff Mm -hmm. and like there's so many people out there with fibromyalgia and my whole backstory is fibromyalgia so i was like okay let's do fibromyalgia Mm -hmm. which now is involved
1: yeah totally and like before we go into the story about fibromyalgia like I obviously have my own podcast and I know how much work it is. And so for everybody listening, the work that Amanda puts into this show is massive. And I know that because I've got my own show where I do the same thing. So I know for a fact that your listeners are so incredibly grateful for the amazing wisdom that you're able to bring to everybody. But as you just touched on there, your fibromyalgia story. So obviously the podcast is about fibro. So how about we go back to where Amanda's story began to give some context to just what why the podcast exists why fibromyalgia and who you are
0: uh who am i is like i started i was like well my story's interesting because i don't feel like it follows the normal story type of thing mm. i'm like yeah i was born six weeks early and it was like right away i was just sick and i was sick right. sick 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 and mm. like they just kept putting me on like antibiotics. I had sinus mm-hmm. infections. I had sore throats, headaches and all of that. And the biggest thing I feel like now, when I look back on my story is like, people are like, like what, like, was it like a big thing that happened in your life? And it was like, I feel like my parents divorced when I was six, probably contributed to the fibromyalgia and it mm-hmm. was a lot of trauma. Yeah, yeah, and like traumas, like I talk about trauma a lot, and I have like a book that I'm part of that's coming out this month.
1: That's incredible.
0: Yeah, with like twelve other authors and stuff, and I talk about this. I talk about them in the book. I talk about my story, and I talk about the fact that my dad remarried when I was eight years old, and
1: that's two, two years after the divorce. Yeah, yeah,
0: yeah, and I talk about. I don't talk about this and I, I don't remember if I talked about this in the book, but I talk about the fact my, um, uh, dad was, um, dating her when she was pregnant with her second child and she was going through a divorce herself. Wow. And so, so he yeah, it's complicated and he, mm. and the little boy, when they married, the little boy was only like one years old. So it's wow. very complicated. <laughs> yeah.
2: Sure.
0: Yeah. And we, my parents, like I grew up with my mom and my grandma and they raised me, but my like, I had to go to my dad's every like weekend mm-hmm. and stuff. So it was like, okay, there was a lot of like, oh, you're not a good child. You, I got a lot I got for whatever reasons it's I was the one who would speak up, I would be the one who would get in trouble. Mm-hmm. And my sister wouldn't tell me, She, who was two years younger, she'd be like, Amanda does speak up because we're gonna get in trouble. And I'm like, okay. And we had lectures, like three, four hour lectures in like, like every Sunday. And then like, so I got told I was not a good child even though I was good child like everywhere else in school and stuff. and. I just remember oh, one of the memories I have is like I had to stare at this like wall by the this dark blue door like I still remember that like yeah it's like I still remember these memories of yeah and she has like and she was very very like evil like and not very nice person I I don't I don't call people evil but she was and mm they she had to take parenting classes. The courts ordered her to take parenting classes. Um, Wow. Yeah, the last year before we moved to Arizona, I was like 13 years old. And -hmm. the courts were involved. And my dad, they were my mom was named Kim and my stepmom's name was Kim. So they were like, Mm -hmm. Well, they heard from my school. They're like, Oh, they got confused with which Kim it was. And then they were like, well, this Kim's doing all these bad things. So we're gonna give more time to my dad. Mm -hmm. And so we almost had to like spend like more time with my dad. But that last year it switched from every Sunday to like every other weekend. So like every other weekend from like Friday night to like I think, I don't know if it was Friday night or a Saturday morning, I can't remember, but to like Sunday night. And so mm-hmm. then I was just sick pretty much every other week because I was just mm-hmm. like stressed. I didn't go, like a lot of times I wouldn't even go out when my dad would come pick us up to the band. That's how stressed I was. And mm-hmm. they both had two bands. And I remember if it was her band was gold, his band was blue and like, I just wouldn't go out. I refused to go out and i was constantly mm-hmm. sick
1: yeah of course of course all that stress in your body
0: well it manifests and like i tell people it manifested and when mm-hmm. you're told oh not that you you're allowed to share stuff and then you get in trouble for sharing stuff it's like well okay <laughs> mm. so it yeah,
1: creates creates a narrative inside your life about keeping things in because yeah letting things go is dangerous
0: yeah and i i think i worked i worked on like i had to work on this in the last couple of years because it took me a long time to like even share my story because i was still mm-hmm. like still in it i feel like i was still mm-hmm. vulnerable to that story like yeah of course and i still felt like i don't know i was not trust i don't trust like when trusting people was not never came easy so i was yeah never outgoing but i was very quiet shy and stuff Um, my sister who's two years younger my grandmother would always say oh she used to be like really outgoing but then she got super shy and my sister's still shy now today Mm
2: -hmm. and we
0: dealt with it in different ways and stuff but Mm -hmm. when we moved out of arizona i mean not arizona california i was like it was a month before my 13th birthday and what happened is i was still getting sick every four to six weeks so that wow. was the problem there too mm-hmm. and i was playing catch up
2: with school
1: yeah, for sure
0: yeah and like playing catch up like for me was like okay you have to play catch up but like i struggled with school too so i was like i had some learning difficulties so i was like okay this is like extra on me and then i'm like okay um my sister i was like well why is my sister always so healthy and i'm not healthy mm-hmm. like i did i struggled with that and why i had to miss school events and everything and it's it's just like i know now it's all for a purpose and i'm like okay with it but like back then mm-hmm. when you're a child teenager you don't understand it
2: yeah,
1: not at all. And you just feel like the world's unfair and why me? And, you know, there's a lot of people go through their whole life like that. And I don't think there's a lot of rhyme or reason to who gets sick. But if you don't turn that story into, I like the saying, if you don't turn your mess into a message, you can be a very angry, bitter, and even evil person your
0: whole life. Yeah, I think a lot of times that's what I I feel like people get stuck into the mess and I'm like, well, what's your you go from go from trauma to triumph is my whole thing i
1: love that that's great
0: because like i mean i tell people like it's trauma to triumph and Mm
1: -hmm. like i
0: have like that's what the book is that i'm a part of is it's called trauma to triumph because we can't we could be stuck in like oh poor me or like Mm. Look what's happened in the last year to me or whatever it's happened in the mm-hmm. last 20 years. But then well, it's like, well, you don't have to be like, make it your profession to to sharing your story, but at least share your story at least once or twice. You mm. keep sharing it the first time. It's really hard. But then one, after a while, it's just like on repeat yeah. and you're like, okay, I got a story to tell
1: mm, for sure. No, that makes total sense. And so, from that point, so you're just sort of talking about still getting sick in, I guess, what would have been the start of high school, um, or um, and so, or secondary school. You call it something different over there, don't you?
0: We call it high school.
1: <laughs> oh no, you call it, it's college and university that are different. Um, anyway, <laughs> the so from from that point, what happened in between then and being officially diagnosed with fibro?
0: uh so i decided i was like okay i'm gonna graduate i graduated high school a year later than normal and Mm -hmm. just because i got held back and my um what Mm -hmm. happened was i was like okay i love personal training i was like i'm gonna do that that was my like end goal was to do personal training Mm -hmm. and Like, I don't know, like I started really young, like 10 years old, I liked doing weights and stuff. I'm never, I'm not, yeah, but I've never been into, I've never played a sport in my life. And I'm teeny, (laughs) like, I'm like five two, but like, so I'm like, okay. But I was like, the end of the last year of high school, they're like, oh, you could have like elective. And I'm like, okay, well, I'll do weight training. So Mm -hmm. I was like, okay. And when I was like, okay, I'll do the six month course, 500 hours and I'll take the exam and whatever. Mm -hmm. And I was like, okay. And once I finished that course, I was like, well, I sort of want to do like more education into nutrition, but I turned 20 and like, like two weeks later. And then what happened was like all suddenly I was like, I can't get off the couch. I'm so exhausted. And it was like this exhaustion where like, you can't do anything. And you're like, Mm -hmm. what is going on? I was in so much pain. It was an utter type of exhaustion I never felt in my life. And I was like, Yeah, this was interesting. And i was still getting sick pretty much every four or six weeks, I ended up Mm -hmm. dropping my gym membership eventually, because I was like, what's the point? And 10 months later, they're like, I went to my grandmother, who was a nurse, she was like, oh, she's like, let's go to the top rheumatology place. And it was like 20 minutes away in the country, in Mesa, Arizona. And I'm like, okay. And she's like, they're like, well, we think you have fibromyalgia. I'm like, okay, what's that? And then that started this whole slippery slope but i like the rheumatology person was said he's like as i was out of the room i'm like i knew he was saying something about me he's like oh yeah your granddaughter probably is depressed well of course you're depressed when you can't get off the couch and you're so exhausted and you're so much pain it's so dumb but Mm. they're like well medication is your next step so i was like okay okay And luckily I had a grandma who was like, I took the medication for like a day and it was like Cymbalta, I think it was, or something. Mm
2: -hmm. And
0: I've looked it up. It's like an antidepressant, but like, I'm like, I took it for a day and I'm like, this makes me feel awful. I'm not doing this. And she's like, just stop. She's (laughs) like, it's not helping. And then I'm like, okay. And then the next thing they were like, well, you could do physical therapy. I'm like, that's interesting. I'm like, okay. Now, looking Mm -hmm. back, I find that super interesting that they said, because with physical therapy, like I've never been like, it never, it didn't help the pain. And I Mm -hmm. did the weights, I did swimming, and it wasn't very relaxing or anything. Then I remember them like telling, like, they put warm towels on you to relax with the muscles and stuff but i just was like i've never been overweight or anything like that so i've always been at a healthy weight but they were like they're like that's gonna help with the pain
2: mm. and so
0: i was like okay even though i had done like that personal training program like 11 months before and stuff mm-hmm. and i hadn't had the pain when i did that program yeah, and so they were like well do that and i just remember coming out and i was just bawl crying i just cry because i was so much pain i cried a lot like Fair enough i cried for like two years because i was in so much pain like i I don't know how you did it i honestly i look back in my life and i'm like i don't honestly know how i've got it through anything i've gone through in my life but Mm. it's like I think it's just because I have like people around me. I had my mom and I had my grandmother who was like the driving force to getting me better and stuff.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: And I think that was the biggest thing. And then of course I have a, my belief in God and stuff. So I have a spirituality mm-hmm. aspect to my life. So that's like a yeah, driving for sure. force. And I find like, I think when I was at my worst, I always had was like, well okay there's a reason i'm going through this i don't mm-hmm. know it yet yet i didn't know it like back when i was 20 so that was like what it'll be 12 years this year that i was diagnosed with it but i'm mm-hmm. like okay it's what it was but it doesn't it's not going to define my story it'll, mm-hmm. it's a huge part of me and stuff but it's not like going to define me
1: Yeah, that's powerful because I think it's and this was going to be one of the things I wanted to ask is, you know, it becomes so hard that when you suffer with something that's so all consuming for so long, how do you how do you separate who Amanda is and the illness? Because so many people use their illness, whether it's endometriosis, cancer, fibro as their identity. Um, And I totally get how that happens. But how do you like keeping them separate is such a healthy thing to do? Like, what was your journey with trying to separate yourself from the illness?
0: I think this separating myself from the illness was like realizing, Mm -hmm. okay, I could make this my whole life and I could play the victim mentality. And that's Mm -hmm. what I find a lot of people do with their health or i could be like oh i'm just gonna keep going no matter what Mm
2: -hmm. and i have
0: like this i don't not a lot of people i feel like have this but they i just have this inner drive in me where i'm like okay i might deal with whatever i'm dealing with in my life but i'm not gonna play the victim how am i gonna change this around am Mm -hmm. i gonna get some answers from a natural path or am I gonna get an answer or am I gonna work through that trauma? Like mm-hmm. I feel like like working through the trauma, it takes time and stuff. Mm-hmm. And you're also like you have to let go. And I mm-hmm. think that's the biggest thing. I was talking to someone yesterday and I was like, she was like telling me, she's like, well what did you do to work on your trauma? And I'm like, I did not go to anybody. I didn't do anything like that. I just let go of it. Like I let go of my dad not being part of my life, still not part of my life type of thing, right? Like I have family members that aren't as involved in my life, but that's okay. Like I can't change them. And like, that's what I've learned a lot in the last two years, I can't change who my family members are, right? I can mm-hmm. only totally love them and see them once in a while and stuff like that. I haven't seen my dad in like six years since my
2: mm-hmm.
0: since my sister's wedding. And I don't know if yeah, I'm gonna well. Yeah. And I don't know if I'm gonna see him again unless somehow I get married or have kids or something. But like
2: mm-hmm.
0: I don't I don't hold that against my dad. Like I'm I'm not, I'll talk to him once in a while, but like the members, the family members that care the most were my, is my aunt and I'm super close with her and my grandmother who passed. So Mm -hmm. that those are the two closest members and my sister and I have an okay relationship and stuff. But for a while, I didn't talk to my sister and it was hard. But Mm -hmm. then I realized like a year into it, I realized I can't change her. And then she had got pregnant. So I'm like, I got to be involved with that little girl's life type Mm. of thing and stuff. So then that relationship came back a little bit in the last like two years and stuff. And she's expecting her second child in March. So that's exciting. But I mean, like, you can't change your blood. I. (laughs)
1: totally i actually it's funny you say that because i put a post up on facebook yesterday just talking about some of the lessons that i learned from 2021 and i like i you definitely can't change your blood but i think one of the great things about becoming an adult and acknowledging that the people that have the same blood as you were a part of your trauma and will continue to be toxic people. One of the great things about being an adult is that blood doesn't matter anymore. You can choose your own family. You can choose your own friends. And I, yeah, personally have met so many people as an adult that I would consider or go to in an emergency uh, before some of my family members because unfortunately, it doesn't matter what their blood is. Toxic people are toxic. And especially if you know they've contributed to a health condition, like being staying around those people, um, or exposing yourself to that over and over again, like you'll never get well.
0: Yeah. And I think it's a lot, it's just realizing, okay, you don't have to be friends with every single person that comes into your life. Like I've been been here for like six months and I'm like, I'm like, it's a lot of people I've met and stuff, but I'm like, who are going to be those people who are like, well, I'm having a bad day or I need some support Mm -hmm. or something. And I think it takes, it just takes time and stuff, but
1: Mm, yeah, no, absolutely. So I guess thanks for sharing that journey. Like that's obviously a lot of super personal stuff in there. And I think a lot of people listening can probably start identifying in their journey, some trauma that may have led to some health issues because you know, as we both know, there's so many health issues that can be traced back to a traumatic childhood or a traumatic period of, of one's life that wasn't dealt with, that wasn't, you know, um, externalized from the body and downloaded and released. And so from there, obviously, you decided to become a holistic nutritionist. Is that because all, along your journey, you realized that food was such an important part of getting well as a fibromyalgia sufferer?
0: yeah i realized so i went through this whole like cycle of like i did pain management which was the most crucial thing i ever done in my life and Mm -hmm. i don't recommend it but like so with pain management they were like well you get two three treatments and i did two of the the three treatments and they would shoot this huge needle into all the different trigger points and Mm -hmm. i was awake and Like they would be like, well, your blood sugar is gonna crash. You're gonna have to have cookies and juice, and I would be super lightheaded. But I would just come out like bawling, crying. I was so it was I was in so much pain and stuff. Mm -hmm. And they did MRIs. Mm -hmm. They did like I did everything. I probably did like all the different naturopaths, acupuncture. I went through the rabbit hole. And eventually I was like, I found it my grandmother was like, Well, there's a wildest chiropractor and I'm like, Okay. And he was like ten minutes away and she's like, This was in Gilbert, Arizona. And she's like, Well, she went to his talk and he's like, Well, if your granddaughter has fibromyalgia at like twenty years old, she's been very sick for a very long time. Oh yeah. Yeah, and a light bulb went off in my grandmother's head and she's like, Oh, he really gets this. Mm -hmm. And this was in the spring of 2011 Mm -hmm. and I worked with him for eight months. Did the chiropractic, did all of it. I don't even remember the other stuff I did, but he did saliva testing, stool Mm -hmm. testing, and food sensitivity testing. Mm
2: -hmm. And my
0: cortisol levels were high. No Uh, surprise, right? (laughs) No, not surprising. And Mm -hmm. like my, um, food sensitivities, he said, were the highest in his practice at the time. But
1: Whoa.
0: I, yeah. Wow.
1: Yeah. So, and, and that's the thing that triggered your curiosity to learn about food.
0: Um, well, I always was curious before that and stuff. I was always and I don't know why I was like, as a, like a preteen teenager, I was always like, okay, new, nut- I knew nutrition played some part mm-hmm. like and stuff. I just knew. I was like, a, I'm a little curious. I'm a very curious person. And so I was like,
1: oh. <laughs>
0: <laughs> I'm like very curious, like just about people and just like nutrition and health in general. And so mm-hmm. I was like, and in high school, I took like, we were, we took like half a year of nutrition and I'm like, Oh, this is really interesting. And that probably sparked it too. I feel like,
2: mm-hmm. yeah.
0: but, um, Yeah, he's like, Yeah, you have two genes from both parents. And he's like, that one said from each parent, and I'm like, okay. And it's like the gluten sensitivity was really high. I had an egg sensitivity, a dairy sensitivity, and a soy sensitivity. And that was back in two thousand eleven. So that was crazy. But I was like that
1: makes the food choices very limited
0: well honestly i don't find it limiting anymore but like 10 years ago everybody's well i was like what is gluten what is like all of this <laughs> stuff like i did not even know like it's not pushed it wasn't pushed back in like 10 years ago 11 years ago whatever how many years ago now it is that it was like oh i guess it'll be 12 11 or 12 years this year but um like I was like, Well, that's interesting. And he's like, Okay, do elimination plan. And Mm -hmm. that was like, Okay, and so I started to feel better, but it just took a long time. And I like Mm -hmm. say, like, I tell people, like, I'm not, I'm never gonna say my health is like 100%. But at least I'm not like, on the couch, not Mm -hmm. living a life. Right? For Sure. And I feel like people are just like, well, I can't get back to getting better. Like, what well, can you get like 20, 30, 40? How much better can you get in your life? I find like I feel like I probably at like 80 to 90 given day or that time of the month type of thing. But like, mm-hmm. how much better can your life get if you eat the right food and take care of yourself? And maybe it's not the right food. Maybe it's stress. Maybe it's something else. Maybe it's mm-hmm. the trauma. Maybe it's the mindset.
1: Well, I think just as you go around with that list right there, it highlights the holistic nature of health. And it's like, it might actually be all of them. It might be 2% stress and 50% food, or it might be 90% stress and, you know, 10% food, or, you know, add in relationships and add in the houses that we live in and the toxins that we breathe in and living near an airport or a city. that's yeah. really toxic, you know, like there's so many variables plus genetics. Um, I mean, yeah, there's there's so many variables. And I think... And that's one of the problems with Western medicine, right? Is that it looks at things through a single lens of like, oh, it's basically a deficiency of this this medication. (laughs) So it doesn't look at food. It doesn't look at stress. It doesn't look at the, the home environment. It doesn't look at your behaviors or your relationship with food. So I think, yeah, like that's probably a good thing for people to know that listen to the show is that, you know, there's so many variables you have to consider. Yeah.
0: And I find we all have something we're working on. Like last mm-hmm. year I was in a, I was in a toxic, it was just toxic people around me for like the mm-hmm. first six months. And I was just in a toxic home environment. So mm-hmm. that's why I moved. And I'm like, now I'm like, I'm great. Like, that's I don't awesome. have it. I'm great. I don't have any family in the Austin, Texas. And I'm okay with that. <laughs> like, that's, oh, I love that. I'm like, I'm okay. I'm like, that's good. I'm like, mm-hmm. I'll make my own community of friends or like, I have you as a friend and I'm just mm-hmm. like, I don't, I don't need to have like people dragging me down
1: for sure. Yeah. Now, And, and I guess as well, so obviously a lot of people with fibro listen. So a lot of what you just shared with us just in that little bit there was like about you making changes, like you being the person in the driver's seat, taking control of your life. And making changes now. What what do you want to share about that step, or what do you think people need to take from that part of your journey? Because I know a lot of people, especially if they go to the doctor, and like doctors often say, you know, there's nothing we can do, especially with things like fibro. You know, there's very little that they actually know about fibromyalgia, yeah. and so it's like, here's some pain medication. Oh well, sorry, we can't do anything. And so the bit that I took from what you just shared that I think would be useful to dig into is that actually i took control i took action on my own stuff my own problems and i looked for solutions and i committed to them so can you talk to that a little bit
0: yeah i took i think that's the big thing if you don't if you're not going to take action then you're always going to be in that victim mentality i find and like Mm -hmm. when i was 20 years old and i was in so much pain and stuff luckily i had the grandmother who was gonna do it for me because I couldn't do it for myself. And like, mm-hmm. if you don't have people around you that want to like get you better, then you might need to rethink that those relationships and stuff. Um, I feel like a lot of times I am put myself in the driver's seat and I'll take mm-hmm. action if it's dealing with the trauma, dealing with grief. I know a lot of people are dealing with grief right now. Mm-hmm. And depression and stuff like that, and I dealt with that. I de- I mean, I honestly, I dealt with that back, just like when I met you. Mm-hmm. Um, like the first um interview when we first chatted and we recorded that episode for you, and it was on my grandmother's birthday, and I remember that specifically, mm-hmm. and I remember I was like, oh, that's interesting. And like a couple months before that, I lost my grandmother and stuff in August. And I'm like, huh, this is interesting. I felt like, I was like, huh, this is like, I was like, oh, should I sign up to like talk to you on the first and stuff? Cause I'm like, well, maybe I'm just gonna be sad or whatever. And I was like, yeah. huh, this is interesting. And after I had that recording with you, I was like, oh, okay. Like I felt like a dumb, like god like sent you to me at the exactly the right time because i really was at this i was going through grief and i needed a friend who was into health just as crazy as me and then mm-hmm. i also saw like when i checked out your website and stuff i'm like oh this guy's cool so i'm like you're <laughs> fun you. and he's fun and you guys he's his podcast is amazing so but he's as funny as could be your solo <laughs> episodes are so funny and i'm like i gotta be friends with this guy so i was like okay after that recording i was like i'm gonna send a message to this guy i have to know more about him
1: <laughs> well thank you I, I very much appreciate that and it's funny you say that because yeah a lot of people say that the solo episodes are make them laugh which is a beautiful beautiful thing because i think like the reason that I named the podcast How to Not Get Sick and Dies is literally because whenever I said it to someone when I was trying to pick a name, like it made people laugh. And so many health shows are like doom and gloom. And going to the doctor is like a lot of people avoid the doctor because they're like, I'm going to get bad news. And yes, obviously there's some bad news and there's a lot of uncomfortable things. But if we don't look at it, like we are in the driver's seat, just like you shared with us. And we look at it like we've got choices and we do have choices. Every time we go to the doctor and they tell us, tell us stuff, we've got choices to make, whether that be to change our diet, which, you know, I think is one of the most impactful things anyone could do for any health condition. Um, You know, it's about feeling like, Oh, I'm in control. And actually this journey is fun. Exploring this is fun. So that's why the, you know, I try and make the podcast funny because it's like, you know i don't want people to be like oh i've got to eat healthy food and it sucks and i hate it you know or i'm sick and i'm never gonna be well so i try and give bring that vibe to pick people up you know
0: yeah i love the name because it made me laugh so hard when i yeah, first heard it exactly And then, like when i tell everybody that i have an australian friend in your podcast they're like and i tell them the name they always laugh
1: yeah that's that's perfect that's exactly what i want
0: <laughs> and i was like And i'm like okay i got it like so when i was thinking i was like you know what if like so your episode your 100 episode came out right before that interview and so i listened to it and i was like after that interview and i'm like okay this is interesting i'm gonna maybe i because i remember you saying you're like Mm -hmm. oh i had this goal of 100 episodes from the very beginning and i'm like mm-hmm. oh okay i gotta i gotta think higher and stuff so i was like well if i'm gonna do 100 episodes then i want you to interview me because i'm like you inspired me to do the, to get to the 100 episodes
1: oh i love hearing that well and speaking of 100 episodes well we're here today right now on your birthday so i'm sure everybody listening is wishing you a big happy birthday but tell us about the last 99 episodes like. What was the journey like? What did you learn? What are some episodes you like? Like, yeah, just give us a a wrap up of of the last 99.
0: Oh, gosh. The first is funny because I was like, in the beginning, I was like, okay, I'll just do it like twice a month and stuff. And then some things happened in my life. And I was like, you know what? Like, I just did the first 37 episodes. They were just solo episodes. And then... Mm -hmm. My grandmother passed and I was like, you know what? I'm just going to go. I'm going to be committed. So like the month after I started just weekly Mm -hmm. doing weekly and I was like, you know what? Late, I guess it was late. What year are we in? 2020. I was like, like, I think that November I was like, you know what? I'm going to start doing guests because I don't want to do solo episodes anymore. I was tired Mm -hmm. of it. And I like, and I like to change it up and I get, I like, as an entrepreneur type person, like, I'm like, I gotta mix it up, go out of my comfort zone type of thing. Right. And so I was, I was like, why not? So I did like November and one episode and then December, January, and then February, end of February, it sort of just was like, okay. It just sort of took off and i'm like okay so i was like wow that's interesting and i did like i forget how many interviews i did last year it was probably around i don't know 30 i don't know a lot it was like amazing yeah i did but um just guess but i mean like from so i so this so wait we so i did like 44 episodes last year i think or something like that but i think like, it was interesting to me to see where I went with the podcast, because Mm -hmm. I was like, I was like, I don't, I was like, okay, fibromyalgia, that's great. But now Mm -hmm. I'm at this point in my life where I'm like, okay, how can I expand my, my story expand, like what I'm Mm -hmm. doing in my life? Um, fibromyalgia is a big part of my life. And it but it's not like, all i want to do in my life type of thing and i had Mm -hmm. like several guests and they were great they talked about topics that i didn't like know anything about i had Mm. the pelvic pain lady i had hormones i had all these different guests but then i also had like i started this series and i do it Mm. once in a while where i just like to have inspiring people like i just love that I love it cuz I'm like I want to hear someone's inspiring story about like why they changed their life around like if we don't have any inspiring stories in life then like what's life about I'm like I got to hear totally. these stories and I'm like some of these stories I'm just like blown away by like how they kept going and stuff Mm. i had one might one of my favorite episodes i had was um this girl talked about she was diagnosed with ms at the age of 15 years old Mm -hmm. and her story was that her face was like drooping and she was hiding it from her parents and what happened is like she hid it for like a day and then what they're like what's going on Mm -hmm. her parents and what happened is they ended up going to the hosp- children's hospital. They said at one point they were like, oh, you, she probably has a brain tumor wow. and like all of this craziness. That and, is like, crazy. and then in the end, she actually had a stem cell treatment and she's been good. She's like the same age as us. She's like 30 and mm-hmm. she's like, she's been good for the last like couple of years, but she she's into nutrition also, but she went. Into like plant based eating for her her condition and stuff, but she just says there's a lot of mis inf- bad information out there about MS. So that was just one of the stories.
1: Yeah, that's amazing, and I, I think there's a lot of bad advice out there in general because Western medicine, um, again, only considers one variable. It's not that it's bad advice; it's that necessarily the goal is never to get off medication or to get well. It's just like, keep taking these pills or keep taking the insulin. It's never like you realize we can actually fix this. If we fix the diet or fix this or fix that. And you know, a plant-based diet worked for her and something different works for everyone, you know? So it's like, it's great that she found a plant-based diet because if that, that might, but that might not work for the next person. So it's like, you've got to go on this journey of um, like exploration to be like, Oh, I'm going to try this and see if this works. And Knowing that yeah. it might, it might not, but then I will know. Like you know, it's like then I will know that that doesn't work. So then we'll be like, okay, what can I try next?
0: Yeah, I think a lot of times we're we get stuck in this. Oh, it worked. It's working. Why is it not still working? And I'm like,
2: mm.
0: we well. What age did you start that? Whatever you mm. were doing, are you yeah. like? Are you like? Maybe you need to make some changes and stuff. Like, why are you like? different like you're a different person you and i are different we need different needs and stuff and you i read your post and you're going like totally animal based which is crazy to me
1: (laughs) yeah it's it's world carnivore (laughs) month every every january so um, i've been meaning to try the carnivore diet for a while because it's in the same way that a lot of people find plant-based diets very beneficial for disease states um the carnivore diet is also Just as good, actually, I would say better clinically and therapeutically, better than a plant based diet for curing problems. Um, And so, yeah, I've been meaning to give it a go because there's so many good stories out there of people getting healthy and recovering from all sorts of diseases that I'm like, I like to try all of the diets out there myself because, well, I help people change their nutrition and their diet. So I want to know what it feels like, how hard it is to do that diet on a day to day basis. So January is. Totally animal protein only.
0: I think I would be bored with it. That's the thing. I mean, I eat animal protein, but I think I would get bored.
1: It's funny you say that because I'm on, I mean, I'm a day ahead of you because I'm in Australia, of course, but I'm on day six and I've had bacon and eggs every day. And it's the See, best. I can't have eggs. The best. Yeah, I know. I know. But like, See, I, like not, what the what point you- is, I'm not bored of it yet. Like, I'm so pumped about having bacon and eggs. <laughs>
0: I mean, I would be, I would totally be happy if I could have eggs. That's like the one thing I don't. I'm like, I just wish I could have eggs
1: and oh, I wish you could have eggs.
0: <laughs> I mean, like, cause I get bored with protein. Like, I just get mm. bored with it. Like, mm, I don't. Totally. I mean, I love, and I'm like, okay. I'm like, okay, chicken again. I'm like, eh. but like, I I like to cook though, so I think I would be pretty bored with it. I like to. cook yeah, I like to. And,
1: it might be the same for me by the end of the month, right? But I'm just experimenting this month to see how it changes my body, see how it changes my constitution, see how my body responds. Do I lose weight? Do I gain weight? Does it make my I gut like better?
0: To, yeah, I would like to know if it like helps with energy or like that type of thing.
1: Yeah, no, I'll, I'll let you know. And I'm tracking my blood sugar and ketones every day as well. So um, just to see how my body responds to different types of food.
0: I, I, find, it, yeah, I find it fascinating
1: yeah so but um but yeah no so you've done 100 episodes we've just done it the 100th episode so what is the next goal what is the mission from this point like what do you want to do with where you are at now like what's what's in in the next chapter for Amanda
0: the next chapter so I feel like it's very interesting because I've been like thinking about like oh what should I do next with the podcast and I've been thinking about it for like the last two months and I'm still like thinking about it because I was like do I want to still have I I do I want to still focus just on fibromyalgia? And it's I'm at this place in my life where I'm like, I don't want to just do fibromyalgia. I want to do cooking, mm-hmm. nutrition, nice. more like more, more like fish. a whole, more like food, honestly. I just feel like I'm feeling like I'm getting pushed into the food aspect. Like it's mm-hmm. funny because people are like, Like I went to like a Thanksgiving and the guy, there's two young guys and they're like, and they're in their thirties and they're like, oh, Amanda, don't listen, but we don't eat. Like we have one meal. I'm like, okay. Like, I don't feel like people know how to cook and Mm -hmm. stuff. And I'm like, and it's really interesting because I'm having friends, I'm meeting new people and my closer friends are like, they have celiac, they have autoimmune conditions. So they already like cook healthy stuff. So, um, and then there's people in my life who are like moms and they're like, well, I don't know how to cook, but I wanna learn how to cook. And so I'm like, mm-hmm. okay, that's interesting. So I do wanna have, I still feel like I'm gonna do the story episodes. I'm gonna still do like interviewing you and stuff like interviewing people like that, experts. Mm-hmm. But then add, like, mix in some cooking episodes also.
1: sounds That sounds amazing. Uh, And I think, yeah, a lot of people will get benefit out of that. I personally think, because I work with mums as well a lot of the time, and I think that as a mother or or a father, anyone with looking after children, the most important thing you can do for those kids, apart from love them, uh, (laughs) second, is learn how to cook. And definitely do not learn how to cook from the government or from your doctor because they were all told uh, things that make the government and corporation money. But if you can learn properly from podcasts like Amanda's and all the great cooking and holistic health podcasts that are out there, um, I think it's the best gift because you will set your children up for health for life like they will be abundant successful if they're into sport they'll have less injuries like they'll have the likelihood of disease outcomes the likelihood of obesity and etc etc all of it will drop it will plummet Um, and even if you think that the genetics in your family have got cancer genes or diabetes genes that's most often because the family follows the same patterns The family follows the same eating patterns and the stress patterns, right? It's less about genetics and more about patterns. There's, of course, a few unlucky people with genetics. There's a very small portion, but most people that are unwell uh, can get themselves well again through food.
0: Yeah, and I think people don't go far enough with their food they're like, okay, I'm going gluten-free. I'm like, well, how long did you actually go gluten-free? Did you cheat? (laughs) (laughs) I'm like, I I always tell people one little while gluten can stay in your body up to weeks, up to months. And I'm like, did you cheat? Maybe it's not just the gluten. Maybe it's the dairy, the soy, the eggs, maybe the sugar. Mm -hmm. I, I mean, I don't know how many people cut out sugar and stuff, but like
1: one of the most important things to cut out.
0: Yeah. And I'm like, and that's, it's interesting to me, like how people are like, well, I do one or I do the other, but I don't do all of them. And sometimes Mm -hmm. you might have to do all of them at once. And it's, but how well are you, how well do you want to be? And do you want to live? Like, I didn't know I was going to have a niece and two and my second niece this year. I didn't Mm -hmm. know that. And, but like, look, like I went to Castle Rock, Colorado. I saw my sister. I could play with my like i don't take those moments in my life for granted and Mm -hmm. like if i hadn't done anything where would i have been today like still in pain
2: yeah
1: not doing podcasts well i'm very glad the journey took you to the point that we're on a podcast together
0: (laughs) yeah me too
1: so so you're gonna um diversify the podcast a little bit which is really really exciting um so have you got anything else you want to share with the listeners before we finish up this amazing 100th episode, which is so incredible that you've made it here. Like, and for people listening um, I've got a good friend that runs a podcast company. Right. Yeah. And it's only uh, more, I think the top, you're in the top 2% of podcasts ever that get to episode 100.
0: That's amazing. I know. It's so crazy. I, I'm like, I'm like, I'm like, today I'm like, it's finally here after like been talking about it for like seven months or something or eight or nine months. Cause I remember I was like, oh, I'll ask him back in March last year. So I was like, oh, it's finally here. But yeah, but my final advice is like, just kick action. I think the biggest thing out of like this whole episode and all the other episodes I talk about is like, take action you're in the like we talked about you're in the driver's seat to changing your life nobody's going to change your life for you and every single year there's something you might need to work on one year for me was like getting into grief classes after my grandmother passed and i did that Mm -hmm. for like three months and Mm -hmm. that and then they're like last year they're like oh do you want to do the grief classes again and i'm like no i'm past that point and then it was on to the next step of getting away from family and most, and that type of stuff. So there's always a step. It might not be nutrition. It might be something mm-hmm. else. It might be your sleep because I know you and I are both big on like sleep and stuff. Totally. But like, what's one thing you could take action on today? Like you say in your podcast, you, you talk about one tweak a week. I talk about like baby steps.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah, yeah, make it small so that it's not overwhelming, but make it significant enough that it feels like you're doing something.
0: And don't overwhelm yourself and do like 50 things.
1: Yeah, I think diet culture has done that for a very long time, made people feel like, you know, they're not all the things they need to be yet, which makes us all feel like we're imposters and we're failing and and yeah, we've got to accept every single day as it comes and be present and move forward. So I think that message that you're sharing with everyone is like baby steps, take action, have the courage to go down some of these paths, whether it be sleep, figuring out sleep, figuring out stress, figuring out trauma, figuring out your relationships, having difficult conversations with people in your world, um, or nutrition, like, you know, having the courage to do that is so, so important. So I think that message that you're sharing is beautiful.
0: Thank you so much.
1: No worries. So is this it? Is this the 100th episode? Are Are we wrapping up?
0: yeah that's it thank you so much yeah no, thanks for
1: inviting me on to be a part of this experience i hope that your listeners love
0: it oh i'm sure they will they love that episode i did with you so and i'll share that episode to you guys for in the show notes but thank you
1: no worries thanks so much amanda